0: Pray. Heavenly Father, sometimes we get so, so wrapped up in those things going on around us negative things, difficult things, painful things, hurtful things that we forget that there is always that hope. That is in Jesus. Father, we are going to spend these next minutes focusing on how it is we deal with the struggles of life and how it is too that we are empowered to trust Jesus knowing that in him and in him alone is our hope. Bless us by the presence of your Holy Spirit and his work in our lives now in this time. Fill this one even who speaks these words today that he won't be his words but yours. Please do not leave him to himself for if left to himself, he will certainly bring it all to destruction. And this we would pray in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ and together we say We're living in a tough time. Yes? I mean, we're talking chaos. We're talking borderline panic in regard to how it is that a lot of things are are happening in and around us. We have divorce, better than 50% of marriages now. We have thousands upon thousands of, of babies that are aborted. doesn't seem like there's going to be any end. We had a decision by the Supreme Court this week to allow the continuation of the abortion kill. New York City, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, San Francisco, overrun by crime, homelessness, people moving into other people's homes when they are away and and, and, and claiming possession of that home. And when the family comes back, they say, Sorry! It's now our home, not your home. I have a granddaughter who last week, last week earned $1,000 at a a, a Tom's barbecue place. $1,000. I never made $1,000 a week in my life. And she's cleaning, not making fun of this, she's cleaning tables and running after people and smiling at them and everything else. Said to my wife, We need to go get a job. Everywhere you look, we're hiring. McDonald's starts you at $15 an hour. The best times in my ministry, considering the number of hours I week per, work per week, based upon my income, I was just over $20 an hour. You figure that out. I can't. I did kind of chuckle last night. There's a congressperson, I understand, up in Ohio, senator actually, to be, a senator to be, who is calling for reparations to be given to the folks in the northern states following the Civil War. Those who lost loved ones during the Civil War, saving the blacks who were in slavery got a government running amok, fentanyl coming across the border, record numbers of children dying with just tiny little bits of that fentanyl in an otherwise safe pill. I lost a dear friend that way, 24 years of age. Country is a mess. And we look around and we there is no hope. Even when we know that there is, we oftentimes feel like there is no hope. Even though we know that God is sovereign and that nothing happens in this world unless. God wills it. And what he wills will ultimately work for his good. We know that. And yet we wonder. And we become worried and anxious and depressed and frustrated. Amen? Speaking of my medical situation, I met, Sandy and I met with a pastor and his wife for lunch the other day, and we we haven't seen each other in over a year. We sat down at a table, and he looked across the table at me, and he says, how's it going with your cancer? And I said, well, da-da-da-da-da. And he said, you know, I'm stuck here. I can't go back to Tennessee because I got a heart issue. And his wife says, yeah, and and I got a thyroid issue. You know, I had cancer in my thyroid hour and a half, all we did was talk about those things that are going to take us out of this world as though that's something bad. Think about that. We're fussing about the things that can take us out of this world when in fact that's what we want. We want to be out of this world, amen? Enough is enough. It's crazy. But we hold on and we say, I hold on for my kids, my grandkids. And I do worry about my kids and my grandkids. I mean, much of what we're talking about here isn't going to impact me. If they go to all electric cars and they're going to have to just trash their gas vehicles, that's going to be a long time after I'm gone. I don't have to worry about that. But they may be the ones on bicycles and walking and taking the bus. And I want that for them. I worry for them too. Where is the hope for them in their 20s? They're committed Christian young people. Living in a country that is becoming less and less Christian by the day. Are they going to be persecuted? Are they going to be put asunder? Are they going to be locked away? And the list goes on and on and on. Worry and worry and worry we don't. Even though we know that God is somehow in control. It's actually always been that way. Been that way since the fall. Abraham was promised that he would be the father of a great nation. Well, in order to be a father of a great nation, you have to have an offspring. He looked at his wife. His wife looked at him, and she said, it ain't happening, honey. So go into Hagar. Lay with Hagar. And she will give you the offspring. That's panic. Not waiting upon the good Lord to do what the good Lord has promised to do. Abraham followed the lead of his wife as most of us husbands do. I won't name any names. And went into Hagar. And that messed everything up. Amen? We just don't want to wait on the Lord. We want our answers yesterday. And if we don't get them, we feel hopeless. The Israelites on the road to Mount Sinai got a little hungry, went to Moses and said, Hey, Moses. You do know that we were really better off back there in Egypt. At least we had food on our table. Complain, complain, complain. We're going to die here in the middle of nowhere. We're without hope. From last week. The disciples, hiding together, all bunched up in the in that room behind a locked, closed door. Oh, they're going to get us. Just like they got him, they're going to get us. Even though Peter had seen the empty tomb, John had seen the empty tomb, They'd heard the word from Mary who had met him in the garden. All of that had taken place. And yet they're in that room locked away for fear of the Jewish leaders. That they were going to be the next ones to hang on a tree. Feeling hopeless. Feeling hopeless. Borderline and panic and what the next few days even of their life gonna look like. And then we come to that road to Emmaus. Two disciples, not of the original eleven, probably of the seventy, are walking down that road to Emmaus. And they're talking. In fact, the word says they're discussing. In my house, that's cuss and discuss. Sometimes. And I'm sure it was going on there. Trying to figure out what had gone on. They're frightened. They're confused. They feel like their whole life has been taken away from them. The rug has been pulled out from under them. Because this one that they had counted on, this great and marvelous prophet, had been killed. Jesus comes and walks alongside of them and says, what, what, what are you talking about? Are you the only one who hasn't heard? Heard what? Heard what? That this marvelous, powerful, wonderful man who was going to deliver us from the bondage to this foreign government has been killed. And now we remain stuck under all of this. Oh, we do know that there were those who saw an empty tomb. We know that there were those who saw Him alive, but we don't believe that. We don't believe that. We're finished. We're done. There is no hope for us any longer. Jesus says, oh, you foolish, foolish men. Not stupid, not ignorant, just not with it. Missing the point, as it were, of what it was and is that God does and has done in the person of Jesus Christ. And so he begins to unravel for them their hopelessness by pouring into them the precious word of God from Moses to the prophets and beyond. He lays out for them those things that they had heard over and over and over again since they were knee high to a grasshopper prophecies regarding the messiah the one who would come 16 of them minimum to be sure 16 prophecies focusing on the messiah christmas time we get we get one of those right couple of those isaiah 7 and the day will come when a virgin right will bear a child and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us, right? Isaiah 9, Isaiah 9, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. Isaiah 61, where Jesus proclaims even in Nazareth, and he picks up the scroll and reads about the prisoners being released. And he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Isaiah 53. And I'm going to read this one because I want to get every every word right of it. Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, spitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Who is that? Who is that, brothers and sisters? Jesus. Even in Genesis 3, Genesis 3, we have the first gospel word. God comes and he speaks to the devil, and he says, I'm going to bring enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed that seed of hers will bruise your head the seed of yours will bruise his heel now the heel reference we we can move to the cross But the other one, bruising the head, that's fatal. That means the end, the end of his power and reign. Not at that moment, but when the time is right, the seed of Mary, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, will bruise the head of that seed, and that seed will be no longer. Amen? and it will be replaced by the wonder, beauty, mercy, and grace of the one who died but is yet alive, even unto eternity. Jesus asks the men. He asks them these words. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? What's the answer to that? Of course, it was necessary. It was necessary because if it's not done, if it doesn't happen, there is no glory for him. And if there is no glory for him... There is no glory for us. So then we are right to sit at table with our friends across there and bemoan all the little things that are going on in our bodies that are going to send us to the grave. But because He is glorified, we can sit around that table and we can say, we will be glorified also. So these little things going on in our lives, these specks that are running around in my lower body, that means nothing in the overall scheme of things. So don't feel hopeless, but be hopeful even unto the glory that we know and experience and will be ours in Jesus Christ our Lord. After Jesus left them. And they were alone again. They looked at one another and asked each other the question. Did our hearts not burn? Did our hearts not burn when he spoke to us these things. These 16 things plus. Including the one from Genesis 3. Did our hearts not burn inside sisters and brothers, that's the spirit at work. Taking the word that is spoken and making it a powerful, having a powerful impact upon those who hear that word. When we hear that Jesus is not dead but alive, it is a spirit that causes our hearts to burn in joy and in excitement and in hope of what the resurrection means for you and for me. I will tell you what happens sometimes though. What happens is kind of sort of like when I'm working on putting a fire together up at the cabin when it's six degrees in my stove and I get all excited because I throw the wood in and I light a match to it and and voila, I got this fire. And boy, it's a fire. I mean, it's bright red and yellow, and the heat is coming out of it, and the thermostat is going up. And so I get in my chair and I close my eyes and I take a nap. And I wake up because I'm chilled. And I wonder what's going on. I look over at my stove and there's these embers. But not a lot of heat. So I get out of my chair and I open the door of the stove and I get down on my knees and I go and I blow on those embers. And as I blow on those embers, the flame begins to go again. And a up again. Bright red and yellow. And the house is warmed up and I go back into my chair for another nap. When we get down on ourselves, when we get down on our situation, when we feel hopeless, that is like embers in our stove an overguard but god in his spirit comes in he goes whoop, 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 whoop. all of a sudden the heart burns and we live in hope again it can be like a roller coaster because we're human beings we're not perfect we have our ups and our downs we forget things from time to time we do get depressed from time to time. We do ask questions that we should probably never ask. We do that sometimes, and God understands that. But that's ember time. And when we're in those times, he comes in his spirit and he blows upon the embers of our heart. And we well up in joy and in celebration again. Did not our hearts burn? That's the way we want to live, isn't it? With hearts that are burning. We understand that it's not always easy. We understand that we'll miss the boat from time to time. We understand that Jesus will come and speak to us sometimes. Hey, you foolish person, what's wrong with you? That'll happen. But there's always the ember, and there's always the spirit blowing on that ember to bring us back into that powerful realization and hope that we experience in Jesus Christ. So three things. Number one, God does not wait for us to come to him. Just like Jesus going to those two individuals on the road to Emmaus, He comes to us. He walks alongside us. He meets us where we are. He deals there with our pain, with our suffering, with our questions, with our doubts, and all of those things that are going on with us that have caused us to be ember-like. He comes to us and deals with us on that level. Number two. In that process, he rekindles in us the hope that what might otherwise be lost for eternity. He rekindles it. He makes us whole again in our relationship with him. He forgives us our sins. He sets us up on a new place, on a new path moving in a correct direction that leads to him and to him alone. And number three, as we are rekindled in heart and in mind by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are then restored in that hope that is ours unto everlasting life. That's good news, amen? In fact, that's so good news that I got to say again to you God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Amen. Thank you so much.